When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Sets Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and it is February. We are in the last month of the regular season for college basketball. Time flies when you're having fun, and it's certainly been fun. Lots of upsets, once again, to talk about this week. Seems to be the theme with women's college basketball this season. To break down kind of what we've been seeing over the last week or so, I'm here today with Adam Bashan from our Her Hoop Sets team. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Hey, Megan, doing well. How are you? Doing good. It's been another fun Sunday of college basketball, so that's exciting to talk about, I think. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's been particularly chaotic this season, so gotta love uh, the unpredictable nature that this women's basketball season has brought us, so yeah, ready to dive in. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I don't think we can go like a, a week without having a bunch of upsets lately, which it makes it fun, right? Like, I like we were just talking about offline. Like I think you really other than South Carolina, I don't know who's gonna be in the final four. And that's that's a very fun problem to have and to try to decipher. So it's certainly exciting next month and a half or so, because it's already February somehow. <laughs> yeah, the season is just flying by, but it's it's gonna be a really fun next couple of months to see because like you said, South Carolina is the only one I really feel pretty confident that it's going to be in the final four otherwise it's kind of a crapshoot so yeah it's going to be a blast to see how it unfolds uh over the next couple months exactly and the countdown mm-hmm. to march is on because it's 22 <laughs> days uh, away <laughs> oh my goodness crazy <laughs> but yeah not to get too out of ourselves we're gonna start with what's happening right now in february uh but we did have a big top 10 matchup today and then of course the top 10 matchup that also has some 
historical significance, but UConn, Tennessee, number seven, Tennessee at number 10, UConn uh, this afternoon, not at all the outcome I was expecting to see, especially when UConn announced that Caroline Ducharme, who has been pretty much leading the team in scoring since Paige Beckers went down, was going to be out for the game. But UConn beats Tennessee by 19 points. Felt like they were pretty much in control of the game from like towards the end of the second quarter and then really opened up in third and just ran away with it. Yeah, no, uh, I really feel like uh, toward the end of the first half, UConn kind of gained control. And beginning of the third quarter, that 14-0 run was just the uh, the turning point. Uh, Kristen Williams and Mika Mule just uh, really compiled uh, that run and turned a seven-point lead into a 21-point lead. And the way that Tennessee's offense is looking lately here, I, the vault lead, that's just too big a deficit for the Lady Vols to, to overcome. So uh, yeah, no, just a really, I know this term gets overused, but it was really a statement win for Connecticut, uh, particularly without, like you said, Ducharme and Paige Beckers. Uh, it just really seems like that um, this, Husky squad is really starting to, to gel and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, once Ducharme and later on Paige Beckers, once they return, uh, what this Husky squad, you know, at full strength can really do. Uh, Gino <laughs> saw a quote post-game Gino Oriema as, as he's, uh, as he typically does, said it is very dry sense of humor. We could be good in March. Uh, that might be the understatement of the year. Uh, but yeah, once everyone's healthy, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how deep uh, the Huskies can go in the tournament. Yeah, he also had some jokes today about being a seven seed in Spokane. So <laughs> he was full of the humor after the game today. <laughs> Yeah. After a 19 point win against Tennessee, I guess he was yeah, feeling pretty jovial. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's not often that you see Gino in a good mood. I mean, he was slamming the scores table at 22 against the number 17 in the country. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I would expect nothing less. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really, it was a statement win for them. And I think something that UConn's resume really needed. It's just not something that they've had on their resume. The best one they have is probably the one over Notre Dame. This is definitely the best win, at least for now, that's on that resume. So a really solid effort from them, I think, especially to take losing to Ducharme and stride there and just be able to go out and kind of continue what we've seen over the last couple of Big East games and really pull it together against a top tier opponent was good to see. I think particularly on the defensive end, I mean, they had a great offensive game and we can talk about that, but defensively, I mean, Tennessee shot 28% from the floor. Like they're by no means an elite offensive team, but they're also not that at offensively usually. So a, a lot of credit to UConn's um, defense. I mean, Jordan Horston is really the only player that got anything going on offense. She had 26, Raberell got some going late on and had 11. Um, I mean, 17 for 59 from the floor. UConn fouled quite a bit, which sent Tennessee to the line. They scored 19 points there. It's hard to imagine what it would have looked like offensively had they not sent them to the line so much. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and I guess kind of on the flip side, looking at the offensive end, um, you know, Tennessee is – or 
before this kind of recent slide was one of the best defensive teams in the country. And in their last four games, they've posted their four worst defensive ratings of the season. Uh, you know, those games were against UConn and Arkansas. Those are, I can understand that. Those are very good offensive teams. Uh, the other two are against Florida and Auburn, which that's the Auburn one that is a massive head scratcher. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, putting up 84 point or sorry, putting up 75 points, uh, against a, you know, a pretty good, a very good, uh, defensive team is, um, was was a very impressive performance uh az fud you know dropped 25 points uh seven of nine from long distance uh don't know how you leave her wide open <laughs> she just has <laughs> such a gorgeous shot and she shoots over she's shooting over 50 percent on the year uh kelly harper you know in the post scheme uh press conference said that definitely wasn't the game plan uh i I would hope not. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's crazy to think that this is just her eighth collegiate game. It, it's, it's crazy. So uh, dropping 25, uh, four assists and four rebounds and shooting over 50% from three, just very impressive. The, the sky's a limit. The sky is the limit for that one. So, and the, I guess the big question mark I've had for, for UConn has just been their interior play, uh, con getting consistent interior play from you know, Nelson Adota, uh, Leah Edwards, Dorka Yuhas. Uh, Leah Edwards, she had probably the best game of uh, the season for her. I, I think Gino said like that's kind of the old Leah Edwards that we got the that we got last year the that consistent production that we got from her last year uh, she had 14.7 rebounds so you kind of want to see more of that going forward you know that you have a star-studded uh backcourt uh you really need that consistent production from the the front court to really compete against the the best of the best the the south carolinas and whatnot so uh so that was a very uh promising performance by uh edwards and crew so. yeah i agree i thought only edwards was spectacular today and that's not really something we've seen from her this season so I think that's a good sign for UConn I mean she's a player that led the country in field goal percentage last year and that just has not been the player that UConn's seen this season but I think it may hopefully this is a sign that they're she's starting to get back to that which I think it's ultimately going to be a good sign for UConn they didn't really get a ton done inside in this game they were I think they only had 12 paint points which is definitely on the low end um but they got it done, obviously, from three, lazy footing, seven of those, yeah. and also in the <laughs> mid-range, which, I don't know, I feel like there's something to be said with, like, that's not great to see them not have a great interior game, but also something to be said for them getting it done in the mid-range and on the perimeter, because that's two areas that they've struggled from this season, and they were able to get it done against Tennessee, and probably some adjustments there, knowing how good of a shot blocker Tamar Key yeah. is playing kind of to, to adjust to that. Yeah, no, they definitely, yeah, it's, it's a good point knowing your opponent and knowing that you kind of have to extend them out to the perimeter because like you said, Tamara Key is such a good shot blocker, has such great, um, you know, reach that you kind of have to, uh, yeah, extend your offense, space out your offense, you know, go for those mid range and uh, behind the arc jumpers. So um, yeah, it makes total sense. 
Yeah, and I think additionally, just knowing that you're a little bit outside, so up against Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's a big team, and then you yep. cannot have mm-hmm. Charm, who's kind of their biggest guard, then even more of a size disadvantage there. So playing in a way mm-hmm. doesn't you know exploit that as much. Exactly. Yep. Makes sense. So yeah, good win for the Huskies. They also have DePaul again this week, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they can carry this into that. But I feel like this is the last time we're going to see UConn against like a, a top tier opponent until March. So I guess good to get a look, but it'll be interesting to see how things continue going forward and with Paige Beckers. Hopefully back soon. The latest update there is that there's a meeting tomorrow with all of her doctors that are kind of coming together with what the plan is for a return. So we should have more of an update there this week, probably. But UConn's a little close look down there. Interesting. Gotcha. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ducharme, I saw that was, uh, that was, she was held up for precautionary reasons because she took like a few blows to the head. I think that's what Gino said. So was there, do you know if there's any update on whether she'll be back against Nepal or? I would expect her to be back against DePaul. Kind of okay. what Daniel said is that she doesn't have a concussion, but like they mm-hmm. can definitely tell that taking a few blows to the head has kind of taken a toll over the last couple of games. So took her out for precautionary reasons. I would assume, I mean, maybe she doesn't play Wednesday because they have a game against Villanova Wednesday, but I'd expect her to be back by Friday. He kind of made it seem like a couple of games or a couple of days just to get her some rest and that she was getting better day by day. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, at least we should hopefully by the end of this week start seeing a UConn minus Paige Beckers at full strength, which is something that hasn't really happened this year. Absolutely. So. <laughs> but speaking of that Tennessee slide, talk about the SEC and probably starting with what the heck is going on with Tennessee because they have had probably the like most perplexing last week and a half or so basketball that I could imagine. Starts off with last Thursday, so not this past Thursday, the one before the NCAA committee releases their like projected top 16 seeds as of Thursday. Tennessee is a projected number one seed and then promptly follows that up with a loss to Auburn. It was Auburn's first SEC win since the SEC tournament in 2020. So quite a while ago. Um, then needs overtime to take care of Arkansas at home. Loses to Florida by 25 points on the road and then loses to UConn by 19 today. So we just, yeah, it's been an interesting week and a half for Tennessee. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I completely agree. I really don't have answers. I don't have an explanation as to what the heck is going on with <laughs> Tennessee. I literally have in my notes the Tennessee slide because they're one in three in their last four games. And uh, like I said, two of those are blowout losses to UConn. You know, UConn minus Paige Beckards and Carolina Descharm. It's I would have expected that to be a closer game, not necessarily a blowout loss. And Florida, who, you know, they've strung together. We'll talk about them in a bit. Uh, they've strung together some good wins, but still a, a 25 point uh, blowout loss to the Florida Gators is just not something I expected at all for a top, for a team that in that last top 16 release was. Uh, one of the number one seeds. Uh, and then the biggest head scratcher of them all, like you said, uh, against Auburn, a team that's 
last place in the SEC, one in nine. Their one win coming against one of the best teams in the SEC. I know coaches sometimes say that anybody can be anyone in our conference on any given night, and it's usually ridiculous. I usually don't <laughs> believe it because I think it's just a way to, um, you know, keep their players engaged and make sure that they kind of bring their A game every time. But it's almost true in the SEC. I mean, take out South Carolina, but yeah. I mean, Auburn beat uh, Tennessee, one of the top two or three teams in the SEC. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a head scratcher for sure. Uh, I mean, a few, throw a few stats out there to try to explain this. Uh, they're really struggling with turnovers uh, per game. They average 17 and a half. That's the 275th two yeah 257th excuse me were worst in the country um or 275th in the country uh against in their loss against auburn they were minus nine in a, a turnover deficit against florida minus nine against arkansas which they did win in overtime they were minus six uh so um, yeah, that, I feel like that's a big part of it. And typically they're able to overcome that with their very solid defense and their rebounding. They're, you know, one of the top rebounding teams in the country. Uh, but on the defensive end, like I said, they, in their last four games, they've had their four worst defensive ratings of the season. So they've been struggling with turnovers and they haven't brought it defensively. So that is not exactly a winning combination and it's resulted in a one in three mark over their last four games. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see if they can write the ship uh, again. Uh, it, it seems like you just kind of need to you know, cut back on those turnovers and go back to kind of your calling card earlier in the season, which was your uh, stingy defense. Yeah, agreed. The one thing that Kelly Harper pointed to today was the loss of Ken Green and the fact that, you know, having her, not having that leader out on the floor has hurt them. But I mean, I just have a hard time. A player that's played 14 minutes a game, averaged the seven points. Like, yeah, it's a loss, but it doesn't explain <laughs> where they've been, like the, the dive that they've taken. It's too far of a dive to be, have it just be that. So yeah, hopefully they can write the ship, kind of get back. I think the defense thing is key, right? Like they've all they've been struggling with their offense all all season long. Mm -hmm. It was worse than usual against UConn today. I think what we've seen against Florida Auburn, like 59, 60 points, like that's not that far off for what they're they're typically doing. But I mean, I mean they had 86 against um Arkansas granted in overtime in the win too. So like they've been able to get things done offensively, but defensively it's just really been not this, this performance we're used to seeing. And then to me, like watching it up close and in person today, like the intensity just wasn't there on the defensive mm -hmm. end. Like UConn won that game because they hit open shots. Like I did think that like they, you know, had some kind of miraculous offensive performance against this solid, really solid Tennessee defense. It just wasn't a great Tennessee defense today. And like you said, I mean, leaving AC flat open, you can't do that, things like that, but also just really all kind of all over on the mid range and on the perimeter. You kind of got a lot of good looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And even right now, Tennessee is still uh, number three, at least before, you know, this evening's slate of games, Tennessee was number three in opponents field goal percentage at 32.9%. 
even after this slide. So that just shows you, you know, how great their, um, you know, their defense has been, whether it's been shot blocking or forcing opponents into bad shots. And four of Tennessee's opponents' best shooting performances have come in the last five games. Uh, Florida being having the top percentage at, it was, well, it was over 50%. And UConn, uh, which shot, I think, like 44-ish percent, they're number two. Uh, so, so yeah, if I, yeah, I think it's really about, yeah, writing the ship defensively, uh, it's, that's going to turn things around for the Lady Vols. For sure. Yeah. I'm trying mm. to come back into that, you know, the top 10 conversation. Honestly, like I know they're ranked seven, so they're probably not going to plummet that far this week in the rankings. Our rankings have them about 22. I feel like the way they've been playing, especially the last week, like that probably feels about right. So a team that I thought we were a little low on before, but I think that feels about right right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, we will see what they can turn around. I think they have, they've got a little break before they've got a really tough opponent in the SEC. Like I think they still have LSU and South Carolina coming up, but not till the end of the month. So hopefully, I mean, like we said to the SEC, there's not really an easy <laughs> out. So that doesn't mean that they're going to like, not going to have trouble with whoever they do have to play this week, but hopefully having, you know, some not you know, top 15, top 20 opponents can help them. But I mean, what you said, mm -hmm. like your audio team could be anyone in those conference. You see Auburn might be Tennessee. And then, I mean, your, your second worst team in that or lowest team in the SEC rankings right now is Kentucky. So like, yeah, <laughs> you can come out and beat anyone any night. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, Florida, Florida at seven and three. And Kentucky at two and seven, that was something that was not exactly on my bingo card to start the season. So yeah, the SEC is just, it's, it's chaos and I love it. I, I wrote about, I, in one of like my weekly roundups, I mentioned that the big 12 is chaos and I'm all for it. Uh, the same can be said for the SEC or honestly the PAC 12 or honestly all of division one women's basketball. It's been a crazy season. It's been totally unpredictable. It has been a blast. So yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I don't review the committee at all this year. And it's not an easy assignment. <laughs> no, not. That's a, that's a tough job. So good luck to them. Yeah. It's gone are the days of like, because these are very clearly the top 16 seats in the tournament. Yes. <laughs> not that easy anymore. Nope. Yeah. Not. <laughs> Continuing kind of around the SEC. I mean, I feel like we have to talk about Florida because yes, they knocked off. Tennessee, but they've also knocked off Georgia today, which was a, a big upset. Georgia, the team that was in those top 16 overall seeds two weeks ago as well. And they knocked off, if I'm not mistaken, LSU. Yeah, LSU mm -hmm. a week and a half or two weeks ago. So a team that's definitely making some noise, like we said, sitting at third place in the SEC. Tennessee is that team at second place. So if they don't turn things around, I don't think it would be shocking to see Florida surpass them right now. Um, Especially because, well, they've got a pretty tough next slate. They've got Auburn, which shouldn't be as difficult, but they've got Arkansas, LSU, and then Vanderbilt and Missouri to close out the season. But I think a surprising um, kind of SEC performance for this Florida team that I don't think was really on anyone's radar kind of to be a mix for the top of the conference coming into the season. No, no, not at all. Like I said, they were, they were, you know, they were picked 11th by the coaches and 
they've really strung together uh, a trio of, of great ranked wins. They've got a uh, win, a close one against LSU. Uh, they got the aforementioned blowout against Tennessee in today's uh, close win. It wasn't pretty, but, but it was, you know, it's a, it's a big upset. It's a big win over, you know, a top 20 opponent in Georgia. So uh, yeah, the, the Florida Gators are really uh, stringing together uh, a pretty solid resume, quite frankly. Uh, Kiara Smith uh, has put together some really solid performances uh, for the Gators against LSU. She had 23 points, eight assists, three steals, and against uh, Tennessee, uh, like I said, one of the top defenses in the country, she had 25 points, five rebounds, five assists, four steals. So she's really uh, filling up the stat sheet and really leading the Gators to uh, to a seven and three mark in the SEC, which again, I don't think anyone uh, could have predicted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the, their game against South Carolina, which they lost, obviously, mm-hmm. but they were within 12 points, which is one of South Carolina's kind of closer margins, I think, in the SEC, where it just at least feels like that. Maybe. Well, no, it is, it is still one of their closer margins in the, the SEC. <laughs> They've had a couple of closer games, but that's certainly one of them. So, um, you know, to go out and hold a Gamecocks team to, to 62 points, I think that's that's really impressive as well. Looking at all those kind of margins in the SEC. No one's held them to 62 points. So impressive that, or sorry, I lied. Arkansas also held them to 61 points, which is baffling. But anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're, yeah, their defense. No, you're right, though. Their defense against at least yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Georgia has, has, has been outstanding. They you know, kept them all under uh, 60 points and uh, they had a sub 80 defensive rating, which against, you know, those three teams, not, not all of them are, you know, offensive juggernauts, but uh, still they are, you know, top, well, Kentucky was a top 25 team. Uh, once upon a time, we can talk about that maybe later. Uh, another head scratcher, but uh, sub 80 defensive rating against those three teams is, is very impressive and has helped them. Uh, help them to their recent string of success, which has them at seven and three and near the top of the SEC standings. Yeah, exactly. I've been interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I think, and then, like we said, they've knocked out LSU, one of those other kind of teams that you expect to be in the mix for the top of the SEC. Um, I feel like LSU didn't play this week, but they did, you know, they had that loss, which they've kind of. And then they followed that up with a loss to Arkansas as well. Arkansas is a team that's been a little bit hot lately. I feel like they're, I mean, always a team that has the capability to get hot. They rely so much on the three-point shot. So if yeah. they can go out and knock those down, they're going to have a chance to beat anyone in the conference. Um, but yeah, LSU has not played since the 30th. So I guess Kentucky, was, right? Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. That was, no, that was like a week ago. So it's been a little bit since they've they've played but they've got Ole Miss tomorrow so today when you're listening to this and Georgia this week so it should be interesting week for them as well to see kind of really where they're at right yeah it was it was funny I was going through you know LSU's you know really their their recent kind of string not string of losses but they're they you know suffered a couple of upsets at the hands of Florida and Arkansas and after the Florida game, uh, Kim Mulkey said that the next game against Arkansas will be difficult for post players because they're going to have to go guard the three. Well, 
spoiler alert, Arkansas shot 13 for 25 and put up 90 points. So that was a pretty impression statement by uh, Coach Mulkey. And yeah, Arkansas, like you said, it's one of those teams that can really go off due to their reliance on the three. And they did against LSU to the tune of 90 points. So Yeah, Yeah, exactly. A team that if they Mm -hmm. hit their shots, and they're always going to be hard to guard, right? Because they do play such a guard-heavy lineup, and that's Mm -hmm. really difficult for a team to have their post players out there and really guard this team. So when they hit knockdown shots, they're going to be able to get some upsets, and they certainly did that against LSU. I think the other thing that Arkansas just does so well is, in addition to shooting the ball, is they take care of the ball. So while they're second in the country, only 10.7 turnovers a game, I feel like this season has been a lot about top teams like turning over the ball at a really high rate. And Arkansas is certainly not a team that's in that category. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're kind of the <laughs> the antithesis of, of Tennessee or like you said, some of the other uh, top teams, uh, even like South Carolina, uh, who I think they're and obviously they're the consensus number one team, but they uh, have think their uh, highest average turnovers uh, for a season since um, it's been several, at least a handful of seasons. So it's, um, yeah, it's the, and I think our own, uh, you know, Derek, uh, Derek Willis wrote an article about how turnovers are, this was earlier in the season, but they're, uh, they're up uh, this season. So uh, that is apparently not affecting uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, mm-hmm. and it's allowed them to uh, pull off these upsets during the season. Yeah, and I could see that translating into March for them as well. It's just, I think, taking care of the ball really well. is It's not going to leave the door open for other teams to kind of capitalize on you turning it over. And then, I, I mean, I still think a team like South Carolina is going to the Final Four. Like, yeah. Consensusly the best team in the country, but I think why we've seen some of these more narrow margins in SEC play is that the turnovers have been really high and it does leave the door open a little bit so I think it's something they really should need to focus on over the next month to clean up because it I just don't know that it would make a difference but it leaves them a little bit more vulnerable yeah yeah don't get me wrong South Carolina is the consensus number one they have have a small issue I'm nitpicking here they have a small issue with uh turnovers but you know, Aaliyah Boston's, I cook Destiny Henderson, their exploits more than take care of, exactly. <laughs> uh, more than take care of that small issue. So um, yeah, they're still, they're good. They're okay. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I don't think it's going to cost them it. It's just something I, if I was like picking the one thing this team really needs to improve. I mean, we've yeah. seen it, right where it's been a little too close for comfort that game against LSU. They turned the ball over 21 points. Looking at that Florida game that was only 12 points, they turned the ball over 21 times. So uh-huh. it's definitely a problem. The same thing with the Arkansas team game, actually, when I was like, well, how did Arkansas hold them to 61 points while they turned over the ball 19 times? So that will do it. Um, so yeah. yeah, just someday I think the game has to work on a little bit I like I don't think it's really going to cost them but I think it could cost them when they get to the final four I think that's the stage where it could cost them like they're the clear favorite to win the national championship but if you turn the ball over 20 times in the final four game I think you're probably going to lose yeah no agreed um yeah although I think (laughs) I (laughs) was funny it's it's funny no it's (laughs) funny you say that I think uh, I'll have to go back I was putting together stats the other day I think Stanford actually turned the ball over 20 times in the national <laughs> championship game against Arizona. I'm sorry to like, um, <laughs> yeah, I to you. it's just something that randomly <laughs> popped into my head. No, in general, absolutely. I think if you turn the ball over 20 times, just because the, the margin is so razor thin right. at the high of a level that if you yeah cough it up 20 
times, you're probably uh, not going to merge victorious. So yes, in general, sorry, that was just an exception <laughs> that randomly popped in my head. Uh, but otherwise, yes, completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, it, honestly, like I think a lot of teams have the problem, so it might not cost them, but I think it's just something for them to work on if they're nitpicking. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we have to talk about Kentucky. There's not really much to say, but <laughs> <laughs> two and seven. I, like, I feel like we're like talking about a Kentucky team that was ranked in the top 25 that now we're like, I, I don't know that they're going to the tournament. <laughs> and honestly, which tournament are we talking about here? <laughs> I, mean, it's not, I, I think that's yeah, the like, tournament ship might have sailed already, honestly. <laughs> they're probably going to that IG. I, like, I don't see it any other way. Interesting. Like to me, it's so interesting. They've got the pretty much consensus number one draft pick, and like, yes, there's she just doesn't have a lot of help around her. But I mean, this is a Kentucky like, unless I'm missing something, it's not that much of a different Kentucky roster than it was last season. No, not. not <laughs> of. It's again, it's as much of a head scratcher as Tennessee's recent slide is. Kentucky's slide is is just as is much more complexing on it. Is much yeah, much more. Uh, com yeah, complexing. It's just, it's bizarre. They're two and seven in the SEC. Like they have the consensus number, well, probable number one, you know, <laughs> pick uh, in the WNBA draft. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I can't explain it. I, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I had, kind of support for a little support for why you know Tennessee has kind of struggled in the last four games I just don't can't make heads or tails of what's going on with the Kentucky Wildcats uh you know Ryan Howard's kind of doing her thing but otherwise it's just it's kind of a mess I don't know what's going on in Lexington but <laughs> yeah if they don't turn, turn things around quickly they yeah, they're certainly, yeah, they're certainly not going to make the NCAA tournament. And honestly, the WNIT, like, if they continue on this trend, I, I don't even know if that's in the cards, as crazy as that sounds. So, yeah, and they're a sub 500 team right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be. I mean, I think they've got a little bit of a break in their SEC state coming up, but mm -hmm. I mean, they still have to yeah. play North Carolina and they still have to play Arkansas and they still have to play Mizzou. Those are all going to be tough outs. Alabama, yeah. Vanderbilt, Auburn. I, like, it feels like they probably split that last stretch, which still leaves them sub 500, unless you win two games in the SEC tournament, which I, I don't know that that's happening. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, unless they make a, a crazy run kind of toward the end of the regular season and a deep run in the SEC tournament, I, I don't see, yeah, there's, I don't see how they, they make the NCAA tournament. They're a sub 500 team there too. I know the SEC is like we said, it's a very tough conference top to bottom, but still expectations were pretty high for this Kentucky squad and they have fallen far short of them. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, if they can turn things around down the stretch. Yeah, it will be very interesting to see. I don't think I have high hopes. I think. <laughs> Same. <You know. laughs> Same. Sorry, Wildcats fans, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't see it in the cards. Well, outside of the SEC, while we're talking about 
potential number one draft picks. I mean, I think we kind of know that it's Ryan Howard, but the other option is Melissa Smith. I feel like Baylor, Texas, at least, deserves a conversation on this podcast, even though we're focusing on the SEC. The team played twice this weekend, Friday and tonight. Oh. I mean, two great games. Baylor wins both of them. So a big weekend for Baylor in terms of picking up some statement wins, boosting their resume um, and their, their Big 12 case as well. But Melissa Smith went off today. She did, absolutely, especially especially down the stretch. Uh, Texas was in control, and in the fourth quarter, she just she just went off and you know took control inside and really put put the Baylor Bears on her Lady Bears on her back and basically willed that team to to victory. And that's that's huge. Two two wins in three days against Texas. That's, that's no small feat. So uh, yeah, congratulations to, to Baylor. That's, um, that's definitely, definitely helps build the resume. And um, yeah, I would, I would expect them to, what, where were they uh, in the last top 16? So there are four. Uh, yeah, I would expect them to, to bump up a bit on uh, the next uh, top 16 reveal, I think on Thursday. So yeah, that is Thursday, which is going to be fun mm-hmm. for it. And on the theme of chaos, Baylor is now just third in the Big 12 standings, even with those two wins at 7-3. Iowa State and Oklahoma both ahead of them with two losses. And Texas now at six in the Big 12 standings at five and five. So straight chaos. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Texas is a team that's probably going to fall a little bit in those uh, – the top 16 seed reveal um, this week, I think. So I'll be very, I'm very interested to see what that looks like. It's always fun that the committee gives us this in the middle of the season, just gets you like a bearing of where their heads are at with where things stand, which I think is always very interesting to see. I know a lot of like the attention last last reel got on like UConn being in Spokane, but I personally like don't really take much from what region everyone's in at this point because it, you know, that part becomes irrelevant so quickly, but Seeing where teams stand in terms of rankings against each other, I think is is very interesting to see, especially as we head into you know late February and then we get one again. I think at the end of the month before March starts, so hopefully we get that picture again before conference tournaments, which will be always fascinating to see. And I'm sure it'll change just as much as it did <laughs> this week because the one from two weeks ago is entirely irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm all for transparency, and I. Yeah, I appreciate that the committee uh, gives us this this look at kind of where their their heads are uh, as to you know what the top sixteen is. So uh, it's it's interesting to see how they handle teams like UConn who clearly aren't at full strength, but are kind of starting to put the pieces together and honestly won't be really at full strength until probably like late February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but obviously they had a huge win you know, today against Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, take into account like the absence of, you know, Duchamp, but mostly Paige Becker's and how that informs where they put uh, UConn in the top 16, so. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be really interesting to kind of watch that trend with them, especially kind of over mm-hmm. these next two reviews and reviews and then on Selection Sunday, because I don't know that you can totally adjust for like the fact that they don't have Paige Beckers until you know for sure that Paige Beckers is back. Not that anything suggests that she's not yeah. back, but like I don't, 
really know that that's been fully taken into account at this point. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see kind of um, how they move over the next month and stuff with her return. I would assume she should be back by the 28th reveal. So we'll probably get a better picture of that then. But then, yeah, I think it's just going to be interesting to see kind of like a team like Tennessee that has so many good wins, but now has the slide and two, I mean, you kind of went on a loss, I won't call bad, but the other two are pretty bad losses. So it's still like 25 to Florida and then to lose to Auburn. So how much does that slide them? And then, of course, we saw four SEC teams and four Big 12 teams in it two weeks ago. A lot of those teams have lost now. So how does that change that picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'll be... I'll be very interested to see what they do with Tennessee. Uh, and, uh, sir, not to not to harp on this. Apologies, Lady Vols fans, but uh, yeah, that this recent one in three slide, they're certainly dropping from the the one the one spot. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'd be a bit surprised if they like. I think we were talking about this beforehand. Uh, I'd be a bit surprised if they dropped completely out of the top sixteen. Uh, but they, yeah, I, I would imagine at least the three, if not the four uh, spot for them. So. Yeah, I agree. I would be, I don't think it's out of the question for them to drop off entirely. Mm-hmm. I'd be yeah. surprised if it happened. I think they're probably somewhere on the four line, probably near yeah. the top of the four line. I think they probably fall a little bit further than the three line. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. a lot of teams have losses, but those are bad losses. And I think a lot of the teams kind of, in between there that have collected a lot of losses are not necessarily bad losses so it'll be interesting to see kind of how the committee values their wins versus those those bad losses and then also some of their wins just you know a win like Kentucky that before being Kentucky by I know 25 points or something like that looks really good that doesn't really look so great anymore um I mean they do have a good win over Georgia so like that that will certainly help them but um you know, Kansas, Texas. So they have some quality wins, but I think, you know, they don't have that, I guess, statement win at this point, other than unless we're going to consider Georgia a statement win, which that's fine. But they're kind of almost in that position that you kind of was in like a few weeks ago now that they don't have a statement win. Right, right. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I feel a bit foolish in um, one of my weekly roundups. I, after, I think it was after the Kentucky win or after the Georgia win, I forget. I made a statement that Tennessee is for real because uh, <laughs> they were, I think they were like in the top five. And then, you know, right after that, they do a great job of proving me right. They got one in three. Uh, so I don't know if it was my jinx or whatever, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree. I see them probably dropping to the, the top of the four line. Um, and yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't really have, yeah, I guess if you count Georgia, um, that might be a statement win, but otherwise, yeah, not so much. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. I mean, the Georgia one's on the road. It's a good win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to kind of see um, mm-hmm. kind of where that, how that shakes out. And I mean, they've still got time to, they've got six tournaments here to, to write the ship before the SEC tournament. So plenty of time to pick up standard wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Adam, for joining me. Thanks, Megan. Always a pleasure. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. Leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube. It helps other people find our work. Also, be sure you're subscribed to the SAT site. 
which is just $20 a year to subscribe. They've got all the NCAA and WNBA stats that you need. Lots of stuff going on right now with WNBA free agency. We have our cap sheets up on the stats site. And then also, you know, the tournament's coming up. We've got our own rankings for all of the NCAA teams in Division One as well as Division Two and Division Three. So lots of great stuff to check out heading into it almost being March. Also be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on Substack. It's free to get all of our best content in your inbox throughout the week. And be sure to follow us on social media at Her Hoop Stats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.